guess. But um, so anyhow, we come through a lot of things in our life. <laughs> um, fortunately, we have a path, and God has a plan. And the scripture today is a very simple one, and I'm sure we've heard it before, Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. You know, it's interesting as you think of that one, those words within that text, that uh, the, your word, and of course John says that um, in Christ, the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. So also it states that the word is alive and active, quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing to the dividing of a soul and spirit and bone and marrow. So we've got this word, living word, that is in our life. But not only is the, the word alive, but the word is light. And as we look at this particular text, the, the psalmist, we don't really know who wrote it. It's uh, Mr. Anonymous. Um, he was <laughs> the one given credit to, for it, or maybe Ezra the prophet was the one who wrote this particular psalm. But whenever we're looking at the word and understanding that Christ is the one who is the living word, alive and active, and that uh, is part of our life, and he, he lights up our life. And you don't have to worry, I'm not going to sing, you light up my life. <laughs> yes. Never, Debbie Boone, I'm not, no, yeah, that's for sure. So whenever we think of uh, a lamp, a lamp is a device for giving light, a source of spiritual or intellectual inspiration. So whenever we think of, again, the word of God being alive and active, we think of the word being Jesus. Uh, John says that, the, that he beheld the word, and the, the word be Christ came and we held him. So John is looking at this, so as we embrace the word in our life, we're finding that it has, means many things to us, especially whenever we think of Christ. When Jesus addressed the crowd, he says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So whenever we, again, are attributing our faith and recognizing what Christ has done for us, he is the living word, he is the light of life, he is the light that, sh that we will no longer walk in darkness. And there are numbers of scriptures that speak of that. And, um, but if we walk in the light um, as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one with another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So whenever we're putting this together of understanding that the word of God is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path, that it isn't just a, um, I, got some, I got some stuff here today. <laughs> Ready for this one. Uh, sometimes we think of a light. <laughs> there we go, really bright light. I remember when I bought this, this was the biggest thing going, you know. You know, put all them batteries in there, you could see for miles. <laughs> Anybody blinded by the light? So we have different types of lights and things that we have used to kind of lighten our path. But whenever we think of Jesus Christ, I think of in, in Revelation, and the city has no need of the sun nor the moon to give light to it. 
For the glory of God has illumined it, and the Lamb is its lamp and light. So in eternity, there are no sun, moon, and stars. There's only Jesus. <laughs> and Jesus is the one who is going to light up eternity. And so whenever we are looking at this scripture that the word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path, Jesus is the one who is going to light our way from now into eternity and throughout eternity, he is going to be that light. So it's important to us that we are able to follow the light of Christ. And you notice that whenever we think of light, it has its best abilities in the dark. <laughs> and sometimes whenever we think we're going through dark times, it's really so that we can understand how important the light is. <laughs> because if there is a light and it's light around us, we can be distracted by all the, <laughs> all the things going on because we really don't need the light. We can do it ourselves. But in the darkness, in the times of trial, in the times of problems and distress, as it were, we need to focus on the Christ who is the light that shines upon our path. And he is the one who has given us that his love and his mercy and his grace and his word that lights up the steps in front of us. Notice that, you know, when I think of a light, um, if um, on, on, our, on our motorhome, um, we, it's, it's, it's a two, you know, it's used, but uh, you can't see anything at night. It's like if you had two candles out there, you'd see more than what it shows in, in, on the, in the night. And it's terrible. So I ordered, I ordered new lights, you know. So I ordered LED lights. <laughs> now that's a light. <laughs> you know, there's a big difference. Now, do you know what LED means? Light-emitting diode. Diode, excuse me, diode. So what a diode is, is one of them things right in there. And that it has a tendency to change. <laughs> so that it kind of goes all different ways. And so we find that in our life that we, we need different kinds of lights and different intensities. But my greatest thing that I like is the GPS system. Because whenever you put in the GPS in the global positioning satellite, whenever you tie into the GPS, we can put in an address. Like today we're going to down in Carlisle for the minister's meeting, so later on today. So I will put in the, the address and get the GPS coordinates so that I know that I'm on the right road. Well, I like to know where I'm going. <laughs> and especially... I like to know what it's like at the destination. Now, fortunately, we've been to this place many times, so I know where, I know where it's at. But did you know that whenever you go someplace new that you've never been before, you can go on the internet, get in the satellite, not in the satellite, but use the satellite to come down to where you're at, the Google address, and they can show you the entrance. You can see where you're going before you even get there, before you even leave home. So you can Google and you can look over the place where you're at, the turns that you have to make. Is there enough room to pull in and move around and 
all that kind of stuff. So you can see all of this before you even get there so that you are somewhat aware of what's ahead of us. Well, and one of the good things about, you know, I used to have a, a GPS a long time ago on the, the, for when they first came out. And you know, it had a female voice. <laughs> and she would tell you, turn right here, turn left there. And when I wouldn't listen to her and I kept going where I shouldn't go, there was this interruption that would say, there is a better way. <laughs> I got rid of that, threw it out the window. <laughs> but so we know that, you know, so, but the most important thing I think of our life as, as Christians, God has a way, you know, whenever you uh, turn on a wrong road or whatever, the GPS will say, recalculating, recalculating. Well, I think God has a way of recalculating our mistakes. And God has a destiny, and he has a destination for us, but we have to be willing to recognize that God is going to recalculate to get us to that place. That, you know, as long as we are willing, God is going to take us to where we need to be, and he's somehow, you know, he's not um, taken off guard by our faults and our failures. He just has already prepared for them, and he already has a recalculation of how we can get to where we need to be. So we can relax knowing that all of the details are in place, that God has a destination for us. But, you know, with all the electronics, I don't know why I have all this stuff today. With all the electronics, I still like a map. <laughs> You know, when we're going through all the GPS systems and all that stuff, you know, well, where are we in, this, in relationship to the other things on the map and the other places? I don't know. So we have a map. And here is a map of the United States with all the distances between all the points, okay? Now, we would like for God to submit this to us for our approval. <laughs> we would like for God to tell us where we are going and what the distance is and how, it's, how long it's going to take us to get there and all the side cuts and side tracks and all the potholes and detours that we're going to have to go through. And, um, but you know what? God doesn't do that. <laughs> he has told us through the word that he has a plan and a purpose and he has told us that he is going to provide light for our feet and a light to our path. So we find that in the darkness of distress and despair and wondering and questioning, it's in that place that we have the light shining upon the path that is right in front of us. You know, if you've ever traveled at night, you know that the headlights in your car, they're always headed in front of you, called headlights. <laughs> All right? So God is our light to our path, and he is taking us somewhere. He is leading us somewhere. He's not taking us. He's leading us. And so whenever we have this lamp of Christ, it implies that there is enough light to see the path in front of us. It does not say we have light for the whole journey. It says you have enough light for your next step. And we find that as we keep taking those steps, we find that we are continuing on our path, and God is directing our steps. Now, with these new LED headlights, <laughs> these new LED lightings, they are so much brighter than the old system. 
And I wonder sometimes in our own life that the more confidence and more trust we have in God, the brighter the, the, brighter the way is for us, and that we can actually <laughs> have more um, understanding and more faith where we're going. You know, Job, in uh, his trials and tribulations that he went through, he was not able to, he was not able to, uh, his friends, they came and said, Job, we know what's wrong with you. They put him under the, you know, intensity. And then we know what's wrong with you. You've sinned and you've secretly been doing things that, that God is punishing you for. And, you know, that's kind of like where somehow we end up back there at that, almost at a place where it's an ancient an ancient thought about God, but it has no bearing on the truth of who God is. The ancient thought was, if you're blessed, God did it, and if you are having problems, God is punishing you for your sin. And somehow we get distracted with those things of when something bad goes wrong, it's sin in my life, and God is doing this, and God is doing that, and it's like, Job had, he had this understanding that God is not like that. You see, he understood that the light of God upon his path, he couldn't, he couldn't understand it, and he, couldn't, he didn't know why it was happening, but he knew that what these other guys were saying about God and about his life just wasn't true. You know, no, I'm not changing my testimony. I'm not changing what I know of God. I'm, I know that God is not what you guys say he is, I know that he is compassion and love. And, you know, sometimes we, we go in the scripture and say, well, it's harder for a rich man to get into heaven than for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Well, Job was the wealthiest man in the world. <laughs> and so he understood his relationship with God, and he understood the blessings of God upon his life. And he understood it in such a way that he was able to take his next steps in his faith even though he was sitting on an ash heap scraping the boils in his life and having to put up with three people three friends who were constantly trying to convince him how of how wrong he was and in our life whenever we hit those dark trials those dark times it's important that we understand that because we're in the darkness appears to be the darkness, God has a purpose and a plan and a way. And we have to maintain what we know is correct in our thinking of God, in our understanding of God. Because even though we're in the trial, it doesn't mean that God has abandoned us. Even though there is a dark place on the path, it doesn't mean that this isn't the right path. Because the psalmist says, the word is a lamp to my feet. The word... And the word, of course, is Jesus. And Jesus didn't come to kick us out. He came to bring us in. He came to bring us in and to, he says, you know, by his stripes we are healed. You know, by his blood, the shedding of his blood, we are saved. By his death and burial and resurrection, we have hope of eternity, that we have eternal life in Christ. Jesus is the light of the city of, of, of Jerusalem, the new Jerusalem, and the, um, the heavens and the earth, the heavens, the new heavens, and the new earth, that Jesus is the light. There'll be no need for a sun 
or moon. So if Christ is all of these things and he gives to us these stories, these stories of people, fishermen on the, on the lake, you know, he's asleep in the boat and there's a great storm. And they weren't kept from the storms because Jesus is in the boat. We're not kept from trials because Jesus is in our life. He's there to be there with us, and we may think he's sleeping, and we have to wake him up as the disciples and Jesus said, and, you know, peace be still, and the winds and the waves and everything stopped. And they said, what kind of a man is this? Well, he isn't a man, he is God. And sometimes in our life we have to have enough faith to stand up and say, God, you know, Bring peace to this situation. At least be, bring peace to my heart. And as I find myself at peace, the storm can be, the storms can, the sea can be violent, but there's still peace in my heart that I'm safe in God's hands. And you see, this is the light. The word is a lamp. It is a place where light <laughs> comes from. And as we hide his word in our heart, we find that we will not sin against God, meaning that we will not attribute to God, we will not attribute to the devil the things that God has brought us to. The things that God has brought us to is so that God can bring us through. And we cannot be there in the midst of the trial saying, the devil is doing this to me, when in reality God has brought us here. God has brought us to this trial and he's brought us to this place where his grace and his mercy can light the path where we know, like, like Job, that the trials are there, the difficulties are there, but I know in my heart what God is like. And he's not like all what you're saying. Well, then why is it happening? I don't know, but God is going to be with me. I know that my Redeemer live, liveth. And in my flesh I shall see him. With my own eyes I will look on him. Here is Job, long after the, the, you know, the, one of the oldest books in the Bible, Job is talking about a resurrection. That though the worms would consume my body, he says, he, though he slay me, yet will I praise him. Job has this understanding that life is important, but not as important as his understanding of God. And the light that shone upon Job's life and upon his path was a word that God had spoken to him in his own heart. There were no printed texts. There was only an understanding he had in his relationship with God that he knew that God was there and God, like he spoke with God, spoke with Abraham and, and Isaac. He, he spoke to Job and uh, given Job this this under deep understanding in his heart and he understood about a resurrection and he understood about life and eternal life and he didn't understand about death. He didn't understand why all of his children were gone. You know, many people criticize Job's wife. Well, what would it be like to lose your 10 children in an instant? That's an unbearable unbearable sorrow. No wonder she said, cursed God and die. <laughs> but you see, 
Job didn't curse God. He didn't understand, but yet he continued to walk with God and knew that God was going to direct his steps and direct his path. We don't know how long this trial went on with Job. We don't understand how that, we don't know how long or the length of time or the circumstances about it, but we know that whenever it comes to the end of the book of Job, we basically see that Job sees God and he knows everything's okay. He prays for his three, his three friends. He prays for his three friends. You see, when people are the ones who tell us that we're all messed up and God is this and God is that and you're, you know, you're nuts and you know, all that kind of stuff, we pray for them. <laughs> and those who hurt us willfully and intentionally and unintentionally, we pray for them. Because as Christ dying on the cross, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. We are not the ones who are taking revenge. We are the ones who place it in God's hands and let him take care of them because I have enough to take care of my own life, let alone trying to put someplace, somebody someplace where the sun don't shine. So, <laughs> so we, we, have, we have tendencies to become more human rather than more divine whenever we are in trials. And we begin to think of reasons why and begin to reason out these circumstances. And we are called to trust. We are called to love. We are called to forgive. We are called to believe that God has a plan and a purpose. And whenever we reach that point where we are able to get up and move, we find that it is God who is there who is giving us the strength to go on. He is the one who has come to us in our place on our path to give us light in our dark spots. And sometimes the light is bright. <laughs> sometimes it's kind of weak. <laughs> but you know what? In the darkness, this light still works. <laughs> and in the darkness of our life, we know that God has a plan and a purpose. And he will take us in those dark places. And he'll take us through those dark places. You see, God knows the route before us. In fact, he made the road. <laughs> you know, he made the road. He will make the crooked places straight and he will make the, fill in the valleys and take down the mountains and he'll make, give us a straight place. And it's called the King's Highway because the slaves would go out before the king would travel anywhere and they would smooth out the road. Well, God goes before us and sometimes whenever we have hit those dark places and in those valleys, well, we think God hasn't made it here yet to make this place smooth, but he has. He is not giving your life um, the view for the next 50 years. Let me give you a map of the United States where you can travel all over the country. Well, God didn't give us a map of our life. He gave us a map of his life. <laughs> he gave to us a map of his life and what it means to allow these spiritual principles to be applied to physical situations where we are renewing our minds with his word that give to us as we said in Sunday school, a measure of faith. 
you know, God gives to every man a measure of faith. And the question is, some people say they don't believe in God. They've taken their measure of faith and placed it in a, what we call disbelief, but it's still a belief. So God has given us a measure of faith, and he wants to us to invest it in his word. And as we invest it in his word, it, it becomes invested in our life, and it becomes a brighter, as it were, light to our path, and a greater understanding that he will never leave me nor forsake me. That when I can find, when I find myself in the garden of Gethsemane, and Jesus says to, you know, God, if there is another way, let this cup pass from me. But if not, see, there is nothing impossible with God. But sometimes we have to reach that place in the garden where we say, God, I don't like this path. <laughs> I don't like where I'm at. I don't like what's going on here. And what I perceive and what I foresee in my life, it doesn't look too good from here. And if there's another way, God, open that door, open that closed door, open that road that seems barricaded to me and give me the strength that I can, that I can walk with you in this road and in this difficulty because the Spirit of God is going to give us the grace, the mercy, the love, the endurance, the power. Your young men shall, what is it, dream dreams, and your old men shall see visions, and that the, the, they will run and not be weary, they will walk and not faint. So we are taught to pray, we are taught to believe to intercede for wisdom and strength and, and understanding and stamina. And we pray that God will help us to become that person that he wants us to be. And we know that we are on a path, but it doesn't seem like a good path. But you know what? If it were not the right path, we wouldn't be on it. You see, no person has the ability to interrupt the plan of God. We can, if we're in asking God for direction, we're praying that God would help us, we're praying that he would establish our going in and our coming out, that from this day forth and forevermore, and that we know that God has a plan and a purpose for us from the beginning of creation, before creation, God had a plan and a purpose for our life. And suddenly we find ourselves where we're at and we're saying, God, I'm in the wrong place. <laughs> am I? Or am I exactly where I need to be where I will become more dependent upon you and the path immediately in front of me that I will be able to take my next steps knowing that you are the one who is going to receive glory for this dark place that I am in, and your light, the light of eternity, is going to shine upon my path, and I'm going to be at peace. I'm going to know that my Redeemer liveth, and that in the end, when it's all said and done, I will stand before God, and I will see him with my own eyes, and I will behold him... <laughs> You know, the light of eternity is my friend and savior. And I am at peace knowing God has a plan. 
God has a purpose. Help me, O Lord, in this Gethsemane place. Not my will, but thine be done. (laughs) You see, if we trust him, we will take our next step. And we will take our next step. And we will take our next step because (laughs) we belong to God. We are his. Nothing can separate us from his love. Nothing can take us from his hands. We belong to God and our life is a living sacrifice. (laughs) Wholly acceptable to God that I am not my will but thine be done so I'm here for a divine purpose. So what am I learning in this place, this Gethsemane? You know, my, with Jesus, that before the creation of humankind, he knew he was to be the sacrifice. You know, if that were me, I'd have, I'd have scrapped those people and started with somebody new. <laughs> I don't like this Gethsemane, and I don't want that pain and suffering for these people who are ungrateful and who curse my name. But, you know, he did it for those who would love him and bless his name. And he did it for those who curse him. They just haven't realized who he is yet. Because every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. You see how light years ahead we are? Light years? (laughs) Ahead we are of, of, of the rest of the lost world. Because we're no longer lost. We're found. We are his, his expressions of his grace and his mercy. We are his light to the world. And if we are his light, then why would we put our basket over who we are? Why would we put a basket over our trials and over our difficulties and over our questions? Job's life was exposed to everyone. Everybody knew Job. They knew him in his prosperity. Now in his poverty, they have nothing to do with him. (laughs) You know, if people have nothing to do with you in your trial, they're not your friends. Your friends are the ones who stick with you. People have, you know, we don't have to have answers. We just have to have a relationship with Christ and with one another. And we find that in that place where we pray for those who give us wrong answers, because they're trying to help, <laughs> you know. They're trying to help us, but, you know, I always think of uh, the story. Uh, whenever we were at uh, a church, one of our first, first church, these people, these, they were backwoodsy people, you know, very backwoodsy people. <laughs> and um, they, they came and they said, Pastor, we were cleaning out our freezer. <laughs> I told you this one, huh? And in the bottom of the freezer, we found this. And we don't know if it's chicken or it's groundhog, but we want you to have it. Okay? So, you know, what did I say? I don't want your chicken or your groundhog. <laughs> no. I said, thank you. Now, I wasn't going to eat it, but I wasn't, gonna tell, I wasn't going to, you know, they knew nothing. They didn't know anything better to do with it, but so give it to the preacher, you know? <laughs> So I fed it to the dog next door. He died, but... <laughs> no, he didn't die. <laughs> so the idea is, you, you know, you, are, you accept these stupid things that people say, 
And you don't have to eat them. You don't have to wear them. You don't have to listen to them. But thank you. They had all good intentions. You know, what devastation it would have been if the preacher hadn't taken their frozen meat that was freezer burnt or chicken or groundhog, you know? They might never have recovered from that. So we pray for those who have those things that we, well, thank you, and we put it in a stupid pile, we feed it to the dogs. We don't have to eat it, and we don't have to believe it, and we don't have to wear it, and we don't have to receive it. We just have to transfer it from thank you to no thank you. <laughs> I'm not going to live that way, nor am I going to accept that as from God. But we do our part, and God will give us mercy, and step by step, he leads us into our destiny. He leads us into our tomorrows. And the question is, will we be bold enough to take our next steps? And our next steps are going through our everyday life. Going through our everyday life, believing that God will give us wisdom. You know, insanity, according to Einstein, is doing the same thing we've always done and expecting a different result. So if you've been doing the same thing and getting the same result, you, don't, you have to learn sooner or later to change what you're doing. <laughs> Wisdom is knowing the difference. Not between right and wrong, but how to present the truth, how to love and how to forgive how to establish, how to get up and move. You know, when it was all said and done, Job doubled. Everything he had was doubled. Now, some, some have said, well, you know, he got everything but more. He only got, he got 10 kids. Well, that was 10 more kids, you know. So imagine Job's wife, she had 20 kids. So ladies, you know. So anyhow, uh, Job, they say, well, Job, his children weren't doubled. Yes, they were. His ten that had died, they were in heaven. They were still his children. He had 20 children. You see, somehow, sometimes the way we think of things, we need some wisdom and some understanding to know that God is in charge and what, we ha what we've lost, we have not lost. God has given to us in a different way, in a different route. And we haven't lost anything because God doesn't subtract. He multiplies. And what seemingly was taken really wasn't. It was just rearranged to get in another direction, in another way. So... <laughs> The unknown is where trust happens. The unknown is where the miracles take place. The unknown is where you discover abilities you never thought you had and where you'll accomplish more than you ever dreamed. Because if you have the courage to do what you know is right, God will partner with you to do what you do not know and what you cannot do on your own. You see, God's waiting for us to say, God, I need you. And I just 
don't know what to do next. Take your next step. There's a light on your path, and the path is one that God has brought you to. The Garden of Gethsemane was not a mistake for Jesus. Job and the loss of everything was not a mistake in his life. It was part of who he was and who he is and established him more and established him greater than he could have ever imagined. The garden led to the resurrection. So take your next step. Amen? Anybody want an LED? You're not getting this one. <laughs> so you can stand. <laughs> I'm not giving this flashlight away on Father's Day, you know. <laughs> Maybe I will, I don't know. We have to come and find out. Maybe this one. <laughs> so, But you see, no matter how much light we need, we always have enough. All the darkness in the world cannot extinguish the light of one candle. Jesus, you are the light of the world. <laughs> Eternity, O oh God, there'll be no sun or moon. There will only be you and the glory and your light that will shine throughout all eternity. There'll be no darkness there. So, Lord, we rest in our place of knowing you as our Savior, our friend, our counselor, our guide, the giver to us of gifts and fruits. And Lord, you are the one who blesses and Lord understands. So come to our hearts and minds now. We surrender ourselves and our plans and all of those things. And we know, Lord, that you will make a way where there is no way. So we thank you that you will calm the storm. You will restore that which was lost and you will double, more than double, all the blessings that we need in our life. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. 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 God bless you.